<sighs> Happy New Year. The only thing I got to look forward No, I can't look forward to that because I don't even have cable. No, it's, that would be Rudolph's shiny New Year. That doesn't do anything for me. It's not one of my yeah. favorites. You know I, what? I, I guess love the we, original Rudolph with the bumble and everything, but I'm not a fan of the shiny New Year. Yeah, I guess it really doesn't for me either, but it's always kind of sad. It's it's like it's because it's the last hurrah. Like in the old days, it would be the last hurrah for the rest of the year of the of the like the last of the Christmas specials. The only good thing was you had Red Skelton as uh, Father Time. That was about it. What was the song they had in it? One foot in front of the other, or is that from the original Rudolph? That I don't was know. no, that, that was from, from Santa uh, Claus coming to town. Santa Claus coming to town. The Christmas, ah. uh, the Winter Warlock. Yeah, played by Keenan Wynn. Yes, that's sad that I know these things. Fred Astaire was the the postman, right? He rang twice. <laughs> well, he kind of did because didn't he do Peter Cottontail as well when Easter roll, rolls around? Doesn't he? I don't, I don't reprise know. his role. There's See, an Easter. Now you've now you've exceeded my knowledge. <laughs> I am the master. Only a master of evil. So you're supposed to say only a master of evil, Bill. <laughs> Back to the bin. But enough of my personal problems and house plumbing and regular plumbing. Are, are we going to do a show? Let's put on a show. Da, 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 da. You know, you know, we haven't sung this song in a while. Overture, <laughs> curtains, lights, lights. This is this it. This is it. We'll hit the, the heights. The heights. And no, oh, what heights will hit. You're, you're a step behind on me, on me, Bill. I know. I know. On with the show. This is it. Da, 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 da. It's the end. Of the your show. Hey everybody, here we go. Da, 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 we da, hope da, it da. doesn't blow. <laughs> oh, who, who knows? This is it. Hello, welcome to the I was gonna say first annual end of the year show, but that doesn't <laughs> quite that's a quite a conundrum there I've talked myself into. Yeah, it's <laughs> quite the conundrum. This is, I'm going to host all the shows until the end of the year. Ha <laughs> ha, suckers. I'm already this bound out of my the husband. last episode of 2016. And I feel fine. And as we record this, we've just recently gotten news of the passing of Carrie Fisher. Mm. Which is just so sad. Really. Yeah. Just, it, it, I can't say I was the biggest Carrie Fisher fan in the world, because I know her as Princess Leia. I know it from when Harry met Sally, and that might be it. Well, you know, she wrote postcards from the edge. Yeah, Meryl Streep was in to that. Me. But uh, I feel, she was I feel... she was in the Blues Brothers. She was. Oh, that's uh, true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The Blues Brothers. She was. Is a good she one. was a crazy girlfriend that was hunting down John Belushi, who was locusts. But I, I feel and... I feel a much bigger sense of loss than I feel like would be normal, considering my level of fanhood, and I don't know exactly what it is. I, I just think it, it, it feels... I think it's because she's so young. Or was so young. Yeah, she's only 60. I mean, you know, you're uh, uh, I'm, closer I'm not, to 60 than I am. Yeah, I'm not I'm <laughs> not far enough removed from 60 to, to be comfortable with it. Yeah. Now, she led a hard life. I mean, 
She had problems with drugs, problems with alcohol. I mean, being bipolar. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I I feel like I said I feel a real sense of loss, and you know, my my deepest sympathies to her family. Yes. Yeah. I one thing I had thought about was like uh, a very a very minor minor thing was how, you know how will this going forward like uh, I I was just curious because she was coming back from London was it just for speaking you know shows that she was doing i think she might have done the graham norton show while she was there um and but but had what role was she going to play in the next movie will that obviously be changed now i would imagine did she already did she, film she some probably of it? already filmed anything that would be in the next movie if she was going to mm. it's less than a year away i mean and they spend a lot of time on special effects on these movies so I would think they've probably finished the uh, the actual filming. And it's quite a bit of a, sure. it's quite a bit of an eerie um, thought, considering how the end of Rogue One went. But spoilers if you haven't seen Rogue One. There's a uh, stop listening here for about a minute. There's a uh, um, digitized younger version of of a squeaky toy. Thank you. No. <laughs> Of Princess Leia in the movie at the end, and because uh, when I saw the movie with Ben, I, I I had pointed out when they came to a scene with a uh, spoiler again, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. I'm like, Ben, that guy's dead, you know. And then later at the end of the movie, they have a digitized Princess Leia, and she's alive, but now she's not. So it's kind of uh, strange, eerie thought. Don't know why I went there. No, it it is kind of strange having just seen that in the last week or so. Yeah. Right now, you got to forgive me because my puppy, who I have for less than a week now, keeps attacking my feet and is making me a little nuts. Stop. How many people listening to the podcast just stopped what they were doing? What? No. I'm sorry, Paul. I won't do it again. She's the cutest little thing, but she's got these little razor teeth. And she's, she's like a me. She's like a piranha. Yeah. She's a piranha with fur. And then, you know, I have to, because she's, she's two months, she'll be two months old tomorrow. So I can't let her just have the run of the house. So I have her gated in here so she has nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nice one working that in. Maybe you should name her Taz. She will you know, be like a little Tasmanian devil. <laughs> she's acting like a little Tasmanian devil right now. But, Spit around. But she's but her name is Eleven, so she might just uh use her mental powers to deactivate me somehow. What for you not let me outside? Why you bury me in cold, cold ground? <laughs> I forgot that one. That is a good one. <laughs> you got powder puff tail like bunny. <laughs> ah, man. Nah, Doc. I'm a duck. <sighs> so anyway, <laughs> off the silliness again, you know, we, you know, I think the entire geek community was rocked a little bit by today's news. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, we had known she was sick and then I was on the way home and he said, uh, Carrie Fisher dead. And, and, I got I went, 
and I was like, why are you surprised, dummy? You knew she was, you know, she just had a heart attack. And, but, you know, you know, just don't think at 60, you know. I mean, they did describe it as a massive heart attack, too. It's not like, you know, they said she had, a, you know, it wasn't just a minor cardiac incident. Mm. It was, a, as they would say in Boston, goddamn heart attack. Myocardial infarction. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully I'll make it to 60. I'm only 13 years away. Well, I think that's a modest goal. <laughs> a modest goal, yeah. 66 is really shooting for it, so. I think But, I think you know, I'm going to I'm going to make this I'm going to make this announcement right here and now. I am going to live it up until the end of the year. From and the then, time this is posted till the end of the year or from 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 when right now until from when we're recording right now until the end of the year, I'm just gonna just live it up with Diet Mountain Dew and drink all I can, and then not New Year's Day because I have to visit my mother New Year's Day. So there's no way I'm gonna stop drinking caffeine on the same day. I gotta go visit my mother, which uh, is because I love my mother and I want to be awake. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I, I'm kidding. Everybody knows I'm kidding. But uh, no, because uh, I've got the five. I've got the next week off of work. So I'm gonna go cold turkey, January second. You know, you no know what I, pic- I picture right dude. now. Do you remember in Trading Places, after, after Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> character had totally fallen, and he was dressed up as Santa, <laughs> and and he stole the big fish from the Christmas dinner, and uh-huh. he had it like inside his suit with all the lint on it and stuff, and he was just like ah. That's the way I picture you, like on on your Mountain Dew drunken escapade. <laughs> Yeah, well, what am I, I going to be after um, cold turkey in like a day? And it was like the, like, like the, uh, like the Fatso movie with James Coco. Give him the honey, Junior. <laughs> with James Coco? No, Tom DeLuise. I thought I thought James Coco was in that too. I don't believe he is. Hmm. Well, that's where they got all the all the all the all the cabinets chained up and everything. Yeah, that's the give him the honey, Junior scene. I gotta look it up. I gotta see who was in that. I swear James Coco was in that too. I would put money that he is not. Fatso, 1980. Dom DeLuise, Anne Bancroft, Ron Carey, Candace Azara, Michael Lombard, Sal Viscuzzo, Delia Salvi, Robert Costanzo, Estelle Reiner, Richard Karen, Renata Vani, Paul Zegler. Madeline Holmes, Natasha Ryan, and David Comfort. Uh, okay, to quote to quote Lando, all right, all right, all right. I forget I was wrong. I love when you're wrong and I'm right, though. There's, there's anyway. just a certain joy I take from that. So I would imagine by well by January third, I'll probably be unconscious, and then I'll then I'll go into massive headaches. Ah, wonder how long I could go. Should I just go do free or should I go caffeine free? Well, if you go caffeine free, totally cold turkey, it's there, gonna hurt. There is like a withdrawal effect. Oh yeah, I know. But that's how I got back onto the do before. I went like four months without any caffeine, and then I, I I had to go somewhere for work. I had to drive like eight hours, and I couldn't make it. And I was like, I'm just gonna buy one, one, one bottle, one little twenty ounce. Oh wait, they're on I sale. I can stop anytime I want. <laughs> I, was, I just don't mon- want. And the monkey was back on my back again. I'm a weak man. 
So maybe I should just go back to was unsweet. he a weak man? Was he a do man? <laughs> I think I can just go back to unsweet tea. It's still got caffeine, or maybe black coffee. Black coffee in bed. Pulling muscles from shells. Tempted by the fruit of another. Mm. Can't think of another squeeze Andy song. Get your gun. Mm. I don't have a big squeeze repertoire. Although I do like the uh, the tempted by the fruit of another one. Their greatest hits album is actually an, an an excellent record. I don't know if I would buy the individual albums that make up the greatest hits, but the greatest hits album is well worth it. Tempted cool by for the cats, by the way. Tempted by the dew of another. Ah, drinking my dew and loving, loving every minute right, of it, Jerry. So just moving, moving on and refocusing just a tad. Stay uh, on target. The suggestion we had for today's show was for the last episode of the year to cover a couple of last books of series, mm-hmm. which I thought was a pretty clever idea. The However, follow-up to that was to do first issues for the next episode. But that's Ooh, maybe we, we should cover do the first next, issues all the time. But maybe we should do the next episode of the of the series we ended. We didn't think of that. Like the follow up, like the next issue. Like if we do mine, it, the, like the next issue that led that continued the story was in uh, the Fantastic Four, or we could go to the next. Yeah, that's what we would have to do because there was not another uh, thing series for quite some time. And you did well. You did the Ghost Rider, but then there was a Ghost Rider series later on. But will we do the next appearance of the character, the main character, or the next uh, like first issue of a uh, same series with the character? Well, I don't even know. I don't know if the character appeared between the last issue of the first Ghost Rider series and the first issue of the second volume. I'm not. Well, sure the second volume was a completely different Ghost Rider. That was when Danny Ketch took over. Right. Well, I'm sh- well. I, well, we can. Look. I'll vamp, vamp. I'm going on mics. Cover me. I'm going in. Cover you. You know, lay down some suppression fire. What is this? Get- We're playing Battlefield. <laughs> Sorry, I've been playing a lot of Battlefield. I, I want jetpack. <laughs> want jetpack too. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been playing the heck out of Battlefield. Hey, oh, oh, I, I do have some comic news. Oh, do we, do we, do we want to dive? Oh, you know what? Let's finish what we were talking about. Then we'll go into our gifts we got for – our geek gifts we got for Christmas. So what, what, or not. What, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about what the, we were – The tangents have just been going so loosely that I, I don't remember I've tangent myself now. into a hole. What were we talking about? Battlefield? Uh, well, no. We were talking about Ghost Rider. Um, and Ghost Rider. The ho- <laughs> it's a silent G. What up, G? Ghost Rider. No, it's not silent. G. Host. Host. Host writer, ho ho ho. Host writer, um. Okay, where is? I hear myself. It's like God speaking to me from afar. Ready, Lord. (laughs) It doesn't tell me where he next appears. Mm. Maybe because it's the end of the series as we know it. End of the series as we know it, and I feel fine. Yeah, maybe it's because it is in the series. It doesn't follow the character. Well, oh. mm. hmm. Having redisposed of the Ghost Rider, I'm pretty sure the character does not appear between when this issue came out in 1983 and when the next series started in, I believe, 1990 with Danny Ketch. You sure he wasn't 
You sure it was still because I kind of remember. Well, no, not in the first one, but I kind of or was it in the um, Johnny Blaze appeared in the Midnight Sun stuff? I think that was after Danny Ketch took over as the Ghost Rider. Right, but that wasn't Danny Ketch. That was I think Johnny, Johnny Blaze. Blaze. Yeah, Johnny Blaze, but he wasn't Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. He was just Johnny right. Blaze. Correct. Yes. And then eventually he retook the mantle of Ghost Rider. Along with Danny Ketch. And they were found to be half-brothers, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Spoiler! Well, this is my very vague recollection of that. I, I can't even give you that as a guarantee that I'm accurate. Looking for a Ghost Rider chronology, and uh, I'm not finding one. So, uh, now that we've spun ourselves into the Ghost Rider tangent. Um, Alright, so we were saying that... that uh, um, so, basically, the idea was to do... The last episode of that last episode, last issue of a series. So I, Scott, I think had picked. Um, well, I, I didn't know we were going to give up Scott's book. <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie. Well, Scott's not here. So Scott's on assignment. The how the, the mouse He's is working for the mistress. man every night and day. But he never saw a minute of peace. Worrying about the way things might have been. Big wheels keep on turning. Oh, I thought you were doing uh, Steel Town Girl on a Saturday night. I thought it was a, a Steel Town uh, Scott on a Saturday night. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a mousiac, mousiac. Oh no! Oh. And he's given the magic like he never gave before. He's a mousiac, mousiac. No, that's just not working, is it? <laughs> I think that one that that had a very short lifespan. And I think you've exceeded it by about three. I've uh, well past the expiration date on that. So, do we so, want to disclose more of our books now that we've already said what they are? Or why don't we, we try? Why to, don't we dive into them? Let's dive into them. Yeah, I don't have a written synopsis. Nor I do I. Do. Oh God, you have a lot of stuff, Mister. Got a lot. Of Thank stuff. God I didn't pick that book. I got lots of stuff, man. I, I I could just try to explain it by flipping through and looking at the pictures and not reading anything. That would make for an interesting story. <laughs> or I can just try and do a synopsis because I have read it already. How about you do that? Because your book comes first. So, and oddly enough, we both picked Marvel books. My book, Ghost Rider number 83, has a cover date of June 1983. Excuse me, Ghost Rider 81, not 83. Cover date of June of 1983 and an on-sale date of March 1st, 1983, as per Mike's Amazing World. The uh, cover is penciled by Bob Budiansky and inked by Dave Simmons. And it shows in the background basically almost the full cover of a blazing skull. And then in the foreground you have a kind of Johnny Blaze who's off to the left kind of uh, upset or you know with his hands out like you know what am I supposed to do and, in, and behind him is a go- you know the ghost rider riding on the uh, cycle was there something uh, that you disagreed with there Bill no I was going why you know because oh. he's looking up you know, in that pose looking up to this guy crying out it's and... the very uh, it's the prototypical well no it's not the Superman from uh, Crisis because that hasn't happened yet but it's that it's that, you know, well, it's hands not the, it's not the, the side. Because mm. that has somebody, you know, he'd have to be cradling a dead body then. True, yeah. The text on the cover says, The saga conti- concludes, and let there be death. 
And above the title Ghost Rider, it says The End Of. Mm. Very foreboding. The story itself is, let's see, written by J.M. DeMatteis, penciled by Bob Budiansky, inked by Dan Bulinati, inked by Kevin Zuban, lettered by Michael Higgins, colored by Bob Sharon. Sharon. I believe that... uh, they fought about him on uh, Star Trek. Let this be a less battlefield. He inked on the right side. Obviously, it's obvious, isn't it? No, sir. No, he inked on the left side. The story opens with a uh, a dude, Centurius, who is looking quite green. He's holding a crystal over his head, and you could see Johnny Blaze inside the crystal. But in the background, Johnny Blaze is be is kind of mindless and being cradled by Roxanne. And then off to the right is the uh, um, looks like the preacher from Poltergeist 2 um, is standing there as well. Yeah, that's the Sin Eater. <laughs> oh, it is the Sin Eater? Oh. Yes. Well, that's that's what he's called. He's he's a disciple of uh, Centurius. Mm. So to move this story along, apparently uh, they, the Centurius had fooled them and he had said he was going to destroy the ghost rider but he took Johnny Blaze out instead so Roxanne who I believe recently uh, reunited with her love oh sorry (laughs) I believe she recently reunited with her love and she ends up leaving the church because Centurius doesn't bother killing the now mindless Johnny Blaze Uh, and she leaves on a cycle with him kind of hanging on in the back and then helps him into the house uh, we get a little bit of uh, a flashback where we see that Zarathos, who is the Ghost Rider demon, is somewhere dwelling in Johnny Blaze's now dormant mind. And he's flashing back to a history of battle with Centurius. Moving along, the Ghost Rider uh, basically regains his dominance over Blaze's body and goes out and creates his flame cycle and heads off after Centurius, who is his century-long foe. So when he catches up, Centurius is there with the Sin Eater, who, again, was a disciple of Centurius, doing his bidding at the promise that his flock would have everlasting life. Watch out, here he comes. He's a Sin Eater. And so Ghost Rider attacks Centurius, and... Initially, it seems like he's having great success against him, but Centurius, it turns out, was kind of playing possum the whole time and then just lays an ass-kicking on the Ghost Rider. He threw Optimus Prime at him there on one page. Yeah. Well, sorry, at least what it looks like. So he, he basically just beats the living tar out of the Ghost Rider and then leaves him effectively for dead. And Centurius then is, feels, you know, his, his battles are done. He's, he's got control and, you know, he's got all these lives of the flock that the Sin Eater brought him to power him for, like, an eternal life. Sin Eater kind of, you know, takes umbrage with that, saying, you know, he, he wanted his people to have eternal life, not just mindless life. Mm-hmm. And Centurius, having had enough use for him, kind of throws him into the wall. So from there... Roxanne is kind of helping the Ghost Rider, the now very, very weakened Ghost Rider. Roxanne! Who's clinging on to her on the cycle. And uh, 
she makes she brings him back to Centurius where he's slowly dragging himself towards Centurius but somehow manages to shatter the crystal that holds the souls of all the people that Centurius had enthralled so those souls go back into the people and for the ones who were alive and people who he had uh, imprisoned from years gone by their souls finally have relief so from there Ghost Rider's ready to just you know take his success and Johnny Blaze and he start battling on a uh, mental level for dominance over the body and what ends up happening is Johnny Blaze is actually winning and Roxanne begs him not to fight and the second that he gives up the fight Zarathos takes over the body but then has his soul pulled into that green orb by Sin Eater along with uh, Centurius where the two can wage a never-ending battle and Johnny Blaze free of the Ghost Rider rides off with his love end of story end of series and in theory end of the Ghost Rider so he's kind of like um, like uh, well what is that Star Trek episode where the two guys fight into the film negative corridor you not, know he, not let this be your last battlefield is that it that's the one with Frank Gorshin with the black. Yeah, no, no, no. No, that's the one where the guy keeps zipping in from the anti-matter oh. universe. He uses his little pod. Is, isn't his name like Lazarus? Yes. Uh, and, you know, oh, well, you know, and one had a cut on their forehead and the other one didn't. And he keeps, you know, he's got that Fu Manchu looking beard. And so then, uh, you know, and every time he goes in, in, into the into the passageway between the two universes it's all it's all like in black and white and they keep tilting the camera well not bl- it's like a film that it's filmed in like a film negative and they tilt the camera side to side and you know funky music the, the 1968 special effects yeah yeah and then they uh him and his doppelganger go in there and they're trapped forever because kirk uh destroys the ship and him and you know it's got the sad the sad music getting trapped in all eternity, with a madman at your throat. Sorry, I. That's exactly what they were going for. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because anybody that watched Star Trek would be reading this. Well, actually, there is probably a large correlation there. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I, I had read this. I mean, they even show out. them in the gem fighting each other. So you know, I had, I had read this one when it first came out, and it was kind of, if I remember right, at the time, it was kind of that I had a revived interest in the character. Just in time for the series to die. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I had been reading it on and off for several years. And then I would say this was issue 81, probably around issue 68 or so. I kind of got back into it. And for the last, how you know, I don't even know if it was monthly or bi-monthly at that point. But for the last 12, 13 issues, I was reading it. I was enjoying it. And I found this to be a very satisfactory ending to the series and I remember you know then I had my hiatus from collecting for a while and I remember when I saw that there was a new Ghost Rider I was surprised by that did did you get that looked at what's that you, hiatus your hi, yeah your hiatus no I, I just let that go oh okay I, f- I figured it, it, it eventually healed itself <laughs> when I found discount bins <laughs> the hiatus was over baby uh I never read this before and my what'd you think Deep, very deep. I think Almost it has a deep. different feeling for it when you know for a fact that it's not the real end. Mm. 
you know, at the time. Yeah, but when this comes out, it was the real this is it. Yeah, when it came yeah. out, I, I thought this was it. I thought it was done. I thought this was series yeah. was done, character was done. We weren't going to see it anymore. That was, you know, how naive I was back in 1981. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when you're or reading a comic, rather. when you're reading a comic issue by issue, you you know, and you're young, or even, you know, you know, you just, you know, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh no! Now yeah, we're just, back then. Comic we're just jaded. Seem a little bit more real. Yeah. I remember the first comic death that really affected me was the death of Captain Marvel when I read that graphic novel. I think I've mentioned this on the show before that the first time I read that was about the time that one of my um, favorite uh, uncles died of cancer as well. So it had a lot of meaning personally for me. Um, I, you know, just, just kind of struck a chord. And, but it's, and Captain Marvel, he wasn't officially brought back. He was scrollified and brought back yeah i still think to this day that they weren't sure they brought him back and they wanted to see what the reaction was and if the reaction hadn't been as negative as it was i don't think he would have been scrollified yeah because that was like a five issue miniseries i'm um, four or five something like that yeah but they had brought him back in a one issue shot the return yeah and they and they kind of said he was pulled out of his timeline he wasn't even really an official they said he was pulled out of his timeline prior to his death. Which is similar to like what they've done with the young X-Men mm. in recent days. But, th- I mean, this wasn't even a death. This was, you know, Zarathos, the demon, was going to have an eternal battle with Centurius inside that crystal. And Johnny Blaze and Roxanne lived happily ever after. Well, but how did he it, get it, out? It was a conclusion to the story, but it wasn't a death. Yeah. But how did he get out, though? I don't remember. I never... I meant to sit down and do a read of the second Ghost Rider series, but I never have. Mm. I mean, I rem- I remember buying it, but I don't remember. I remember something with an amulet and with a motorcycle on the gas cap, but I don't remember how he actually became. Like that was like how he transformed it. It's been so long since I read that. And then they had that recent series with uh, what's that? Reyes is the Ghost Rider, the one with the car. Yeah, well now, yeah, and he's been on Agents of Shield. Spoiler, um, and I, I'm really liking that. Well, see, uh, I, now, I didn't really like that series when it came out, and the problem was the artwork for me by uh, I think it was Trad Moore. I, I didn't really care for the way it the way it went on that particular series. Oh, see, now I've I've never seen the artwork on that, so I can't. I have no point of reference. It was a little too cartoony for me. Mm. Well, what about the I I remember collecting uh, the I think it was a Garth Ennis like a six issue series of I think Johnny Blaze was back to being a Ghost Rider and he kept trying to escape from hell. It was like a six issue series Marvel Knights series I want to say back in the early two thousands. Okay, yeah, I didn't you, I didn't read that one at all. Yeah, because he was actually trying to get out of hell and and he they would like catch him right at the last moment and bring him all the way back in and he'd keep keep escaping like that was his that was his torment. Sounds like the end of Doctor Strange. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, yeah. So, you know, just just going through this a little bit, the artwork to me is, it's a little bit Mike Plug, who who to me was a great Ghost Rider artist and a great Werewolf by Night artist. Uh, But but, not enough of Mike Plug? It's not, it's like an amateur, to me a little bit of poor man's, 
Mike Klug. Klug. It doesn't really have the dynamism that I'd like. The only, you know, looking through it, paging through it quickly again, the there's a, you know, like even this, the first splash page, it's kind of just like there. It doesn't look exciting. The one well, shot. Well, to he's me got that, like a googly eye there in the first spl- spl- splash. His eye, one of his eyes is kind of. Yeah. Like, is he, little, is he looking at the crystals? Little, is he looking at the side of the crystal? Who's he looking at? Yeah. The one page on. that had I thought looked a little dynamic was page. Uh, they're not numbered. Thirteen on the uh, on the file. Uh, the middle panel where where he's like getting beat up by uh, Centurius and his body's going flying almost Gil Kane fashion. Mm. Like that that looks a little dynamic to me. I like that sequence. But other than that, the artwork is you know it's it's it's, it's just like I said a little uninspired. Well, one of the shots that's nice uh, would be page five. I thought was interesting. The bottom panel where Johnny Blaze is, where the demon is starting to take over, and you can see his, he's in mid transformation and he's speaking as the demon, you know, saying the unholy vengeance that has been denied me for centuries. And you could see like the skin is starting to recede from the skull and it's starting to turn into a skull. And in the next page, he's full flame on, you know, shall be mine. Rah! He's all flamed and everything. But that's, that's, a pretty interesting page there showing the transformation. Like the skin's just melting away. Like yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark style. There's one guy, he's very clever. They call him Balosh. <laughs> Belloc! Hey, you have any more comments on this? Uh, not really. Uh, I'm skipping through. I mean, I already said the one about Optimus Prime when Centurius throws the, uh, the, like the, the large dump truck on, on top of uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, of course, you got to know that Centurius is evil because he has a fancy red cloak. I wish I had a red cloak. So he could just walk around, scare people. Have Sin Eater follow me. Sin Eater, yeah. Like I said, the the priest from uh, from from Poltergeist 2. You're all going to die in there. <laughs> that guy scared the crap out of me. Jeez. I went to that movie with two friends of mine, both girls, which just got to say, they scared me more than the, than the movie did because one sat on each side of me and something scary would happen. They jump, they grabbed my arm and scared me more than the movie did. Jeez. Nah, but yeah, those were the days. Just trying to look at, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I like how they, as the flames went away and his clothes were ripping, it's the, you know, he's literally just a skeleton. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because you always kind of, you know, you never really, I don't really recall seeing a lot of the body underneath the outfit before. I think there's a point leading up to this issue where, you know, when, when you start to be let in on the fact that there's this demon Zarathos that mm-hmm. is actually the Ghost Rider, you know, that, that all developed in this storyline, if I remember correctly. And I do think they show scenes of his character before he was connected to Johnny Blaze, and he was just a flaming skeleton from head to toe, mm. if I remember that's, correctly. That's got to hurt. Maybe a little Bactine or something on that, hydrogen peroxide. <sighs> Anybody get any aloe? He's <laughs> <laughs> the Peter Griffin over and over. <sighs> <sighs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rate this. Okay. Uh, cover. Cover really doesn't let us know anything about the 
focus of the story inside. But I do think it does a good job of letting us know it's the last issue. You know, you do have the end of the Ghost Rider right there. The saga concludes. It's more of a poster-like image, but yeah, kind of kind of does let us know about the internal struggle between Johnny Blaze and the Ghost Rider, showing them both separate on the cover. Uh, I think it's fairly well illustrated. And, so you'll like it, even though it has a solid background. And I was just going to say, I think the solid back, <laughs> background creates a feeling of foreboding, which is you know does have serve a purpose here. Well, it so, does make the white skull stick out. Yeah, rather well, that well. too. You do have a yeah. tremendous contrast. Uh, and I like the flaming eyes going in front of the title because the flame shooting out of the skull's eyes drift upward and obscure just a little bit at the bottom of uh, the word rider under i wouldn't go as far as to say the cover is great but i would say it's very good so i'm going to say a b plus on the cover itself i I don't like the ghost rider logo at all but i'm not going to take points away for that uh the story i think does an effective job of wrapping up the whole storyline i think we have some highs and lows with the fight between centurius where he basically beats the tar out of the Ghost Rider, and then the recovery and him coming back for a further battle. There's uh, a lot of story. This would be a miniseries. This would be a five-issue, six-issue thing now. But even with that, I think the pace, it's paced nicely. I don't think it, it doesn't feel incredibly Oh, rushed. no, no. Yeah. It, it just feels, you know, packed, which I'm fine with that. It, it doesn't feel like they left a lot out. It would be a five-issue miniseries now, but I don't think I don't think it warrants being a five-issue miniseries. I think having it in one issue really, really works well. So I'm going to give the story an A minus. I think it could have been a little bit more creative. There's some points where it's a little predictable, and that's why I won't give it a, a you know a full A. But I'm going to say an A minus on the story. The interior artwork is the the weakest point in it. I think, again, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's reminiscent of Mike Plug, but it's uninspired Mike Plug. And I think, you know, Mike Plug's strength wasn't his actual renditions. It was the layouts. It was the eerie feeling he created. It was, you know, the moods that he set. And I don't think this really does that. So I'm going to give the artwork. I'm going to say it's, it's not bad. It's not great. I'm going to just say a, a, a straight C on that. So, oh, but overall, I'll give the book a B. Yeah, I... The cover as well. I'm I'm going to give that a B, uh, from what we talked about before. Um, I just noticed there's a spot where Roxanne's getting naked. I missed that. Her, Where's that? She's changing her blouse after they get back to the house. She oh, leaves yeah, yeah, Johnny yeah. on I the couch. You were on the cover. I was like, what? Oh no 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 no. I was going to the interior already. Um, yeah, it's it's. There's a couple really good shots here and there, but again, there's others that are rather eh, just yeah. One of which being the way he's chucking that truck at the Ghost Rider. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the art on the inside is 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 also a, a, a C. And then, but the story, there's so much of the story. It's nice to read a book that's just all, got a lot of stuff to it. Um, so uh, I would have to also give it an A, which comes out to be a B book. It's a B book. B for book. Okay. And moving along. That's the end of the Ghost Rider. Now maybe uh, we can get to the end of something else. Uh, let me pull up my book. Excuse me while I whip uh, this out. Ah! <laughs> I 
decided because it had been so long since I and I don't even remember if I actually had gotten to the end of the series. I wanted to read the end of the thing, the series from back in the eighties that started after um, everybody left Secret Wars and uh, Ben Grimm hung out on Battleworld on his own for a while and before returning to Earth. And by this time, uh, it's issue 36 of the series. And by the time he came back to Earth, I remember correctly, it's when Johnny was with uh, Alicia Masters, who was a scroll. <laughs> um, if I remember correctly, does that sound right, Paul? Yes. He was does. actually a scroll in disguise. Yep. And then um, so Johnny was with her and the thing. Oh, what was me? Whoa, whoa, but grim. Uh, I've got so many issues. I don't know. <laughs> I know he's such a monster. He's such a sad sack. And it, and the end of this book, well, I'll 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 get to it. So by this point, the thing I don't remember wh- why he's in the condition he's in. I'd have to go back and read the other books. I can't remember what was causing him to mutate. It was probably some other oh sad sack syndrome he got from something. But the main reason I like this book is the women. And on our cover, we have She Hulk and. The Miss Marvel of the time, Sharon and oh shit, what was her name? Where? What is her full name? I, I, know I, don't, I don't remember. Ah, I guess it doesn't really matter. So, but but yet another link to the planet Sharon. <laughs> yes, it is. So, getting back to Mike's so I can get some info because I'm not prepared. And Scott, if he's listening, is going amateurs, amateurs. Uh, the, the cover is, uh, penciled by Paul Neary, but it's inked by John Byrne. And you can see the burn touch to it a little bit in the women and in the inking of the thing. Um, and it was written, uh, the title is going for broke, go for broke. Is, uh, writer Mike Carlin, penciler Paul Neary, inker Sam De La Rosa, letterer Jack Morelli, and colorist Bob Sharon. Didn't we just have <laughs> was in our last issue too? That's pretty weird. Yeah. And Bob Sharon, he's the colorist on this issue, and he was the one same on yours too. Yeah. It just keeps bringing us back to. Yeah. To well, this Gor- this was Frank Gorshin just keeps coming <laughs> back to us. Well, this was only five years later from from your issue. Uh, and its cover date is June 1986 on sale date February 25th 1986 cover price 75 cents woo 32 pages of fun in the sun we basically uh, and since I have no prepared synopsis we basically open up with a she-hulk looking oh oh so nice weightlifting watching a news report about the thing basically had gone on a destructive rampage in uh, in LA and uh, they're also saying that uh, the, the, the Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation has suspended all of its shows, which The Thing was actually a part of that at the time, along with characters like, I believe, Armadillo and Miss Marvel. And a lot of the people in the wrestling, in the Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation were getting pills from uh, or getting powers from someone called the Power Broker. And he had them basically hooked thinking that they needed these pills to stay alive and basically they were doing his bidding so um she hulk decides she's gonna go out and see what's going on with ben so she goes to jarvis and says hey i'm gonna take a i'm gonna grab a quinjet 
uh, which I guess I can't remember why she was hanging out at the at the Avengers Mansion, but she was there. And um, she says, uh, well, I'm sorry, Miss She-Hulk, but the authorities no longer permit us to launch Quinjets from the mansion. Ah, that ties into uh, remember when we did the the uh, Masters of Evil storyline. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I don't know why she just did. Connected. Yeah, it's all connected. You know, even back then, it, even back. Well, back then it was better connected than it is now. I mean, I don't know. I don't read the new ones, so. Eh. Um, but I don't understand. Okay, I'm going to stop here for a second. I'll imagine that. So she she hops on a commercial flight to L.A. Why doesn't she's a member of the Fantastic Four? Can't she go get a pogo jet or something or a Fantastic car? That's why I'm a little confused as to why she she's wearing an FF outfit. She's in the Fantastic Four. Why didn't she go there? I think it was a That's little a good bit question. Cool. I mean, Luke Cage was allowed to, have to take a pogo plane to go after Doctor Doom. Right. So, I mean, that's that's a little nit, nit, nitpick thing there. While she's on a plane in L.A., uh, the thing is busted into an office building to look looking for the power broker. And he's got uh, Miss Marvel behind him. Not that Miss Marvel, but the the large bodice Miss Marvel here. Sharon uh, something or other. Sharon so, something or other. I, gotta, I just love her uh, thigh-high boots. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh but they bust in and they find that the, everything's been cleared out and Sharon has a uh, uh, a kind of – well, okay. Sharon has told the thing, hey, I like you, but I don't like you. So Ben is in the friend zone. Oh, woe is me. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> and to make things worse, just shove it in the thing's face. She's got her – Kind of like her boyfriend tagging along too. Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. Uh, uh, Sergeant Michael Lynch. <laughs> Whatever. So you know that's just put a little here. Here's a little salt in that wound. Mm, feel the bird. So while they're looking for the power broker, in comes the most motley crew of unlimited class wrestlers I have seen. And if there's uh, some of these names, <laughs> uh, although there's that one shot here. I like that kick that Miss Marvel's doing on page six. You know the one I'm talking about? Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, I see that. <laughs> Ooh, that doesn't look too easy to do. No, that's 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 like a lot of Pilates right there or something. I don't know. Can the human body go at that angle? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think this is. You know, there'll be more shots like this. This is there's there's a lot of cheesecake and there's going to be a lot of beefcake or pound cake. That's right. The ambiguously gay wrestling duo of the Mangler and Pound Cakes takes on the thing. In the in the next page, you see that uh, picture there at the top of the page there? Yep. Paul? Got it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Maybe this is where they got the idea on uh, SNL for the ambiguously gay duo. That's all I'm saying. That's it, Mangler. Show them your feats of strength. My pleasure, Pound Cakes. Thanks for the lift. Please send all hate mail to Donald Trump. Moving on. Um... So, oh, two more panels down, same page. Who has, I can't tell, who has Miss Marvel in a headlock? Can you decipher the anatomy in that page? Which page are we talking? Okay, right, right after, yeah, this is on page, uh, page, it's page six of the art. It's right below where, where Mangler and Pound Cakes hit Ben in the face with, with uh, Mangler's feet. Oh, yeah, and it's, okay. Yeah, no, I see the shot. You it looks like somebody's got her in a headlock, but then it's like 
Is it a woman? Uh, it's if, a hairy if arm. Look, if you look at the panel, the second panel on the page, okay, you see Ms. Marvel is all the way to the left, correct? It looks like somebody's missing a head. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Then directly next to her, there's a, a full-bodied, full-figure uh, gal with, yeah. a, with, a gr with a green outfit on. Right. And then right next to her... Is, is, is a woman in purple. Is a woman in purple with hairy arms. Oh, no, because that's... Because if you look next to the woman in purple, there's another body in... There's a man's body in purple with no head. Okay. Well, wh whoever whoever has... The, I don't know. Was there a wrestler that body with, is no, with head? no head? That's what's got, him in, got her in the headlock on the next page. And the way the headlock may really makes her uh, bodice really burst, I guess is a word... So, uh, uh, way, isn't it Sharon Ventura? I think you're right. Yes, yes. And she's the Just one like, who turns into the she thing at some point. Yep, yep, she does. Okay. So, uh, Ben starts to go a little woozy and basically passes out. And then, um, that's when Sharon spills the beans on the stabilization pills that at the time she thinks that, um, they, that everybody needs them to treat the side effects of their powers or they're going to die. So they all freak out. And now they, they stop attacking the thing, and Sharon starts to, you know, use the, uh, you know, the hysterical woman routine. Get a hold of yourself! She starts slapping the thing, and he starts to mutate with large, like, his body starts growing, his skin is pulsating, moving, and basically they're like, oh, my God, what's going on? And even she's like, oh, go bed, I'm sorry, it's horrible. And Ben's like, I don't want you to see. I don't want you to see me like this. I don't want anyone to see me. Oh, I'm so ugly. What was me? I am not an animal. <laughs> I am a thing. So then they're like, well, let's restrain him. And then two two other guys come in that don't seem to be like high in the brain department. Maybe we should get Orange Man help. If this happens to us, we should know a cure. And he basically swats these guys away. But he, but the one guy has time to say as he's being thrown away, he's gone berserk. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say as I'm being pushed across the room. He's gone berserk. So they all pile up on him and try to subdue him. And uh, they're saying, oh, my God, he's gross. Oh, this is disgusting. This is sick. And finally he passes out. They throw him in an ambulance and drive him to the local hospital. Meanwhile, She-Hulk is landed and is at the L.A. Sports Complex where she basically confronts the promoter of the wrestling league. And even he's he doesn't know what's going on. And, and basically the She-Hulk uh, politely tells him, get the hell off the phone now. And they both go in search of the thing and Sharon and everybody to find out what's going on. Where's the power broker? Why isn't anybody wrestling? So now we are shh, quiet hospital zone. They're at the hospital. And uh, you see the thing behind a curtain as um, Sharon is talking to the doctors. Well, maybe we should get Reed Richards, which just the mention of Reed's name puts the thing in pain. Reed, no, no. Ah! Hey, <laughs> and, Reed Richards. Reed, ah. So um, oddly enough, right next door to the thing is it's it's D-Man, Mr. Dumfrey. Dunfrey? I think it's Dennis Dunfrey. Dunfrey. Uh, and he's been going through the withdrawals from the pills. And actually, the pills don't kill you. It's just, you know, really makes you feel like you want to die. So then they figure out, well, well, you know, so if we never took the blah, 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 and Ben never made had the pills, 
which is what they find. You know, Ben never actually started taking the pills. Why is he mutating? Why is he changing? And then she looks out the window before she can finish this thought and says um, uh, she sees the She-Hulk. And, oh, she must be coming to see Ben. So she goes rushing out out, um, because um, she says to the doctor, uh, I have to stop her from coming in because if you saw the way Ben reacted hearing Reed Reed Richard's name, it'll be ten times worse if he sees the woman who replaced him in the FF. And, of course, the thing hears this. He turns it on on Schwarzenegger. You know, they only show him there in a silhouette, but he looks like he's turning into one of the the red ghost super apes. (laughs) Yeah, or like one of the Mole Man's creatures or something. The pain excruciating. I don't want the FF's help. <laughs> so meanwhile, in the lobby, uh, She-Hulk's coming in the front in, in the door while Sharon's coming out, and she spins the door and throws her out of the hospital, and um, basically begins one of the uh, the best cat fights I have seen in a long time. Um, we got a lot of sexy moves here. I just want to say, no, you don't think so. Um. Yeah, I guess. So anyway, uh, there's a few. So uh, it's still a comic book. So meanwhile, Ben kind of knows, you know, sees what what's going on outside. He just starts to pound his way through a wall. He also mentioned something about maybe it was the Beyonder that did this to him. Uh, you know, he's yeah, uh, maybe one of Reed's wacky experiments. He conveniently forgot to tell me would cause this metamorphosis. So he just starts to punch his way out through a wall in the hospital. Meanwhile, uh, Sharon has uh, basically – She-Hulk has had enough of her crap and just says, look, I'm going in. Why don't you just sit in the grass? And she shoves her in the grass and walks away. And then she like hits her with a scissor leg move. She jumps on her back. She's got her pinned to the ground, pulling her neck back. Well, mm. and then at the bottom of page 16, <laughs> another one of those really uh, interesting – I don't know. I guess the human body can do that. Yeah, I'm not maybe, so sure. Maybe maybe I'd like to spend some time with this picture alone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so they begin the fight in the park. Um, uh, Sharon's actually pretty nimble in staying away from the She-Hulk until she climbs in a tree, and the She-Hulk rips it out of the ground and almost swats her with it. Uh, but then She-Hulk finally gets into the hospital, and, oh, I don't know, finally they... they um, <laughs> They finally actually talk once they're both inside the hospital, which I don't know why they just didn't talk on the outside of the hospital and basically says, well, you know, I don't think, you know, we should call Ben to see if he wants to see you. I don't think he does. And then, you know, he's like the, shows the phone ringing up in his room and there's this just now is this massive mutated block of whatever is saying, just please let me be. I just want to be alone. And, uh, they hear a loud crash, run upstairs, and he has blasted his way out through a out through the wall finally, and has disappeared somewhere onto um, the highway, as far as they can tell. And they all just say, "Well, good luck," and maybe he'll be able to face his problems somehow, some way. And then the epilogue is where the thing had jumped into a garbage truck, and then finally he jumps out, roll. Falls off a cliff, rolls down a hill, is walking along the beachside, and he says, uh, I know the perfect place for a monster like me to go to die. That way, 
Reed and the FF will be better off. Sharon will be better off. Alicia and Johnny will be better off. Even our West Coast Avengers will be better off without me. And not even the smartest man in the world will think of where to find me. Goodbye, cruel world, as he strolls off into the ocean. It's kind of the comic book version of George Bailey. (laughs) Just be better off if I was never born. Born. (laughs) When rocks fall, a thing gets his wings. That for the ex- Clarence. <laughs> now, I, apparently there is an epilogue, and it's in West Coast Avengers number 10, but I, like you, I did not read ahead to see what I don't, not even sure I remember what happens. I seem West to remember Coast him being connected to the West Coast Avengers. They're well, he was on the to team. join. Yeah. And then when he finally agrees to, he leaves right away saying he's got a problem he has to investigate on his own. Like I, that's that's all I remember about his tenure with the West Coast Avengers, but I guess he came back um, for this. So that's and that's the end of the thing. Now there would be another later thing series in the 2000s, which I had a couple issues, um, and it was uh, basically the thing became a millionaire. Uh, it was through, all with Regis. Yeah, and then like the final issue of that, I was thinking of doing, but I, I don't, I couldn't. I, I decided to go with this one instead, just because of all the good cat fights. That one had had a poker game in it. But uh, so yeah, any uh, any thoughts? I think, thought it was a pretty entertaining issue. It was quick, uh, but for an issue of the thing, I really kind of would have liked to have seen more of the thing in it. Yeah, because he's all in silhouettes and you know, big mystery. Yeah, I mean, I get the mystery aspect of it. It but seems they don't, more they don't like really it, even they don't really even focus on him. It's more like the Miss Marvel comic. Yeah, you know, Miss Marvel and She Hulk. This this would be like a Marvel two and one or. A Marvel team up with uh, She Hulk and Miss Marvel, and not the thing. The thing is guest starring in his own book, really. So I'm kind of okay with the general plot line of what's going on. I just don't know if I like the way it's focused. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, like I said, he he seems like he's a guest in his book. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, I I think it was it was you know pretty well you know it was a pretty intriguing storyline. Uh, and I think the artwork is, you know, it, it it definitely appears to be John Byrne influenced. You know, it's a step down from John Byrne. It's not, you know, it's not him. Well, Byrne but, did but I do, definitely think, like I said, he, did, he he did ink the cover, but um, like, but the same cover artist did the interior. So it looked, you know, it does have a touch of a a burn. You know, some of the scenes, a lot of the She Hulk scenes look kind of like uh, like a burn, close to a burn She Hulk. Yeah, I'm wondering if he lent a little hand on this one, and it's it's either that or just the artist was inspired by him. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other because it's clearly it's clearly got a burn feel to it. It's not quite like again, it's a step down from burn, but it's well, this is in the air influenced by him. Well, this is in the era too of the cool black and white or black and silver, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, FF costumes too. Mm-hmm. I always like this this era costume. But, you know, overall, I, th- I thought it was a pretty entertaining book. I thought it was interesting. Uh, it doesn't have... It's very, very different from the end of the Ghost Rider one because it doesn't have that everything being tied up in a nice, the, neat yeah. bow. This this is a cliffhanger to go somewhere else now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly where this picks up other than, you know, a cameo in a West Coast Avengers issue that you mentioned. Well, I remember just from general knowledge that the thing mutates at some point and becomes like, he looks like a stegosaurus almost. Yeah, he gets and Sharon so becomes the she thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. 
and then they join the FF. And I, I think at, at that point, I think it's Ben, Sharon, Johnny, and Crystal in the FF. Mm. I think Reed and Sue go on, you know, go on a sabbatical, and actually end up in the Avengers for a short time there. Yeah, what was that? Avengers three hundred or four hundred or something I like think that. Three hundred, I think. Yeah. Yep. 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 That was the beginning of the era that that I kind of always lamented when it got to the point where almost everybody had been an Avenger. <laughs> you know, I I wanted there to be some exclusivity to it. They could have a large roster, but not everybody in the Marvel universe needed to be a member at some time. But I think we're pretty much there now. Well, after we finish the coverage of this book, I've got a little some Avengers stuff I can talk about. But so I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and rate it. All right. And the cover, um, kind of funny because in this cover we have negative space. We have a white background. But there's enough going on in it that I don't think it takes away from it. Um, we've got we've got the thing in the foreground – all you can, you know, he's got like the shake lines on his hands. Like you can see, he's kind of, you know, he's just, he's got problems. <laughs> we'll just say that. And in the, and in the background, we have uh, She-Hulk and and Miss Marvel getting ready to uh, go to go to fisticuffs, go to blows. And um, I think it's, I think the models look good, the art looks good. Um, I don't know if. Really, if you had, I, mean, I guess you could have some other backgrounds to it, but I don't really think it, you know, like in, in the back background, you know, if you had like a cityscape behind them. But I mean, it just kind of focuses on the three main figures of, of the book. So I think this cover, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a B for the cover. And it's John Byrne. So that's, that's, that's a B right there. Um, in the interior art, um, other than some, Anatomy issues with the with the gaggle of bodies in that fight scene. Uh, I I gotta kind of drop it a little bit for that because it's hard to tell whose limbs are attached to what bodies. Um, and some of the just like general storytelling shots are just kind of plain. You know, when you get into the actions. Uh, parts with the fights and everything the art kind of kicks it up a notch so i think the art overall i'm just going on the interior i'm going to give it a c and the story i don't know if i should give it mark it down because for to being the last issue of the thing the thing is almost like we said he's a secondary character in his own book um and that she hulk and miss marvel kind of steal the show so i'm going to give the story uh, a c as well so I guess that two C's and a B would be like a C plus. Okay. Um, yeah, strangely enough, I think the negative space in this cover sends, serves a purpose. Because I think if you, instead of having the negative space, if you had backgrounds, I think it would make it more difficult to focus on everything you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take any points away from it because I think, again, it serves a purpose. Uh, the individuals are rendered fairly well. I don't think. I don't know if I. I don't know if I like the choices as far as the posing. I think there might have been a way to do it to do it a little differently, but you know, it kind of gets the point across. I think it's pretty solid. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say a B minus on the cover. The interior artwork, I think, overall is pretty solid. It it goes from 
some were some shots which I think are very good to some shots which are just kind of, you know, a little little uninspired but nothing bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything bad in this issue, so I'm going to say a, a B minus on the interior artwork. The story I th- I do think suffers from exactly what we've been saying, where the thing is uh, isn't the focus of the book so much as what's happening to the thing is. Uh, and that bothers me a little bit because I think they, they, I think it could have been focused a little differently than it was. So I'm going to say just a C on the writing. And overall, I'll give the book a C plus. Hmm. So we both got to the same place, even though a little bit slightly different grading. Yeah, we do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, to your mention that it seems like everybody's an Avenger – uh, ben for Christmas. Ben's an Avenger. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Um, I uh, Jedi mind tricked him into getting uh, because we were. He, you know, he's like, well, uh, he was looking for video games to play uh, a few months ago, and you know, it was it was coming up on his birthday because his birthday's the beginning of December, and you know, he's like, well, I want to get some games, and I was like, okay, so we went out shopping, and you know, well, well you can get, we'll. We'll spend this much on games, and he wanted to get one that was brand new. Then I talked him out of another one that was brand new because I'm like, look, buddy, you you got to play through this whole game. This other game is like sixty bucks. Why don't you you know you could take that sixty bucks and you could buy two or three other games that you haven't played, and by the time you get through all those games, this game you want will now be forty thirty dollars. It'll be cheaper, and he's like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. So one of those games I talked him into, quote unquote, you know. I talked him into was getting uh, Marvel's Avengers, Marvel's Lego Avengers for the PS4. <laughs> Sucker. It's because I wanted to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, before I got on here, I had went to the store and got a uh, got a PlayStation card with the money I got for Christmas. And I uh, purchased all the add-ons. So I got like all the add-on packs. And it's like, man, there's like over 200 characters you can play in, in the game. But you got to find them all. So I'm having a good old time playing Marvel's Marvel's Avengers in Lego World. I mean, they got, they got, oh, just, it's, I'm, I'm having a blast. There's a lot of, they got Union Jack in this game that I found. I haven't had a chance to play him yet. Uh, they had Firebird, who was from the West Coast Avengers. Um. All kinds of all kinds of, and you're actually playing through the movies. So, uh, and it was through some stuff in. Um, you played a, like a, a level through uh, Cap's movie, The First Avenger, too. So, I'm sure there's got going to be more. The only thing that's a little that let that that kind of lets me down a little is they started a trend in some of the Lego games to where, all right, when they came out with the Star Wars ones. They never spoke. There was no there was no dialogue. It was always hmm? Hmm? Uh, 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 right. Hmm? Yeah. This one takes verbatim lines straight from the movie, straight from the actors, and has the Lego people saying it. So it's a little off putting, especially when you can tell when I guess for for whatever reasons they couldn't get a certain person's voice because that is not Gwyneth Paltrow vo- voicing Pepper Potts in this game. That's not her voice. And so if you needed to say something outside of the normal. You know, you're 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 kind of limited to what they say in the movies is how they're going to respond to certain things. Although I think they got, um, oh, well, what's his name? Phil Coulson. I'm blanking on the actor's name. Anyway, 
he must have done a lot of voiceover because he's there's he's basically calls you out from missions and stuff and he's and he's making jokes and one-liners and all kinds of things so he's he's really have having a ball in this game so i i love it it was only 20 bucks and then i paid another not 10 bucks for all the add-ons i got a doctor strange level i got a uh, uh black panther level i got the masters of evil level from the 1963 comic um I got the, there's a Thunderbolts level with characters, all kinds of stuff, tons of goodies. Cool. Can't wait to play sometime. Well, when we're done eventually. here, you can. No, no, I should go to bed. No. <laughs> Poor Bill. So, but yeah, that's my that's my Marvel uh, Avengers news. Okay. You think we have time to hit a couple of emails before we call it a day? Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, because it's it's really it's really building up. Yeah, it's I'm back so, it up. Sorry to everybody who who we haven't hit your emails yet, and you know we'll we'll do our best to get to them. Uh, the first one is by Russell Bragg, called it's uh, titled "Don't Bug Me." This is from October, so we are going back a little ways. Hi guys, it's always funny when Paul is bod- podcasting without Scott and Bill and says they are on assignment. It would be even funnier if in the next episode they appear to give a report on <laughs> said assignment. That would be hilarious. Anyway, it's always fun to hear Chris Tyler and Gene Hendricks. You start out the show mentioning Fred Flintstone as Hi-Fi. That was a great episode. He never did sing any of the songs, just listen to the Rockin' Bird. But I love it. On to the comics. Of course, I didn't have any of them. I thought I had the Ambush Bug one, but it turned out to be Son of Ambush Bug. I actually podcasted recently on Ambush Bug's first comic appearance in DC Comics Presents number 52. Surprisingly, or not, Ambush Bug had seven appearances before the miniseries discussed. I believe that question came up somewhere. However, those seven were pre-crisis on Infinite Earths. I presume the miniseries was to reboot or reintroduce the character to the reader. Paul came up with a new catchphrase during his synopsis. He had no synopsis, so he was Dr. Billing It. (laughs) <laughs> Whether I have the issues talked about or not, I thoroughly enjoy your podcast, and I'm not just waxing your cars to keep my title of most prolific emailer. I mean it with all my heart. Don't forget, Paul, if you ever need a stand-in podcaster, and if I'm available, I have a synopsis all ready for an episode of Back to the Bins. Thank you for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Well... We don't know when it's coming up, but I have talked to Russell about doing something for doc- for Back to the Bins. We'll just leave it at that for now. Ooh. Uh-oh. I hear car doors. Sounds like they're home. They've- oh, my God. I guess they are home. Somebody beeped the horn. Um, so, so wait a minute. I thought oh, – wait. No, that might have been George Jetson. I thought, uh, no, who did Bedrock twist, twist? Or was that a different character? That was that was also Fred, but that was yeah. not hi-fi. That was uh, he was impersonating somebody else, yeah. right? Yeah, I can't remember because was, the guy ate like pickled he, dodo he eggs, ate de- devil dodo eggs. That devil- <laughs> he was allergic to him. He, he, he was allergic oh, 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 to them. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what his name was, but Fred oh, put Fred right. put on the wig, and all they did was play the record, and he he lip synced it. Yeah. Oh, hold on. There's a town I know where the lonely people go called Bedrock. Twist. 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 Was it Twist or Twitch? Twitch. Twitch. I'm not sure now. I I thought it was Twist, but it could be Twitch. Hmm. Hmm. Dr. Billing it, eh? Yes. Well, we both Dr. Billed it today. That's right. (laughs) 
we're out there. We're doctor billing it. And we're loving it. Ooh. So, do you have time to read another email, or is uh... yeah, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, it is again from Russell Bragg. <sighs> Back to the bins, 257, 2016 Horror Month, Week 3. There will be a giant Salami Hassan chop. <laughs> Hi, guys. Nice to have Scott back for an episode. Does Disney get busier during this time of the year? <laughs> yeah, it didn't. I think Disney is always busy. Yeah, but going into the fall and to the every, everything, it doesn't get any, you know, that's like probably full tilt all the way till January. So I will admit that I knew the phrase Hassan Chop, but couldn't remember from where until I cheated and looked it up. For those who didn't know, it was said in the Looney Tunes episode, Alibaba Bunny from 1950, 1957. I'm dying wow. again. <laughs> but it could also be heard on SportsCenter. For Scott, that's a show on ESPN, Entertainment and Sports Programming Network, about sports highlights and updates. During his tenure there, Rich Eisen would occasionally use the Hassan Chop phrase when a highlight showed a baseball player tossing his bat in disgust. At one point, you guys were talking about Hubba Bubba. It's, it does still exist, but I haven't seen the original flavor in a long time. It's mostly combo flavors like strawberry watermelon or Hawaiian punch. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? You (laughs) You could still get Hubba Bubba bubble tape. Wow, I didn't stutter. I stutter on Reed Richards, but I don't stutter on Hubba Bubba bubble tape. Uh, Which I see more often. On to the comic. Marvel graphic novel number 17. And Alvin is in the house. Wow. I I don't have this one yet. After your coverage, I think I'll try to get it. I do have the next one about She-Hulk. Well, I think every uh, every uh, red-blooded man has the She-Hulk graphic novel. Paul was right. Slight pause as Paul basks in the statement. About the pronunciation of salami. Salome. Salami. <laughs> and she was the daughter of Herod and Herodias. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think I said it right. Herodias. Herodias, Herod II. She is infamous for demanding and receiving the head of John the Baptist, Matthew 14, colon 16, dash 11, and Mark 6, 12, dash 29. I believe but I mentioned it, that as well that night, by the way. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh. <laughs> but it was more fun how Dr. Bill pronounced it. Salami. I'm glad Bill is over whatever illness he had and is in his groove again. Oh, so he's talking about physical illness now. Hey, don't get me wrong. He was funny when he was sick, but you could tell his voice wasn't uh, really in the mood. Uh, you might have mentioned this, but according to Marvel Wiki, this is technically Apocalypse first appearance, although it went uncredited for many years. The unman in the Fez who recruits Abdul for the cult of the living Pharaoh was revealed to be a disguised Apocalypse in Uncanny X-Men 376 in the year 2000. And, oh, sorry. It put a 2000 in colon, and that's a joke from the old Conan O'Brien show, which I'm sure somebody out there got. Although there was not very much horror in this comic, I enjoyed it very much. Thanks for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. P.S. Oh, host of the DC Comics Presents show. P.S. Let me know if there are any DC Comics Presents issues you'd like to help me cover. By the time you read this, I may be up to 60. So if there's anything from 60 to 67 to end this year, which the year is almost up, <laughs> or the end of the series that you love, let me know. The year is almost up. 
This episode is going up the morning of New Year's Eve. But not as we're recording. Yes, that is almost <laughs> up. We got four days. It's only the 27th. Peeking behind the curtain. So, uh, do we want to do one more? Uh, yeah, sure. Or shall we call that a... That's a wrap! Uh, oh. No problem here. Sub- subject, Revenge of the Living Monolith. Revenge! Um, from our friend Aaron Henley. Which I think this is the first time Aaron actually is writing in, but I could be wrong. Dear Paul, Scott, and Dr. Bill, I just wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed listening to your coverage of this story. I agree with Scott that if you see a giant rampaging monster destroying a city icon, that it should be in the story and not just entice you to buy the book. I never really thought much of the character, but having a tragic backstory really was nice. Especially back when it meant something, and not today when the villains are getting to be even more sympathetic than the heroes they're fighting. Again, Scott and I agree, why can't we just have a bad guy be a bad guy for no other reason than he wants to be a bad guy? Thanks again for the great episode, and take care, guys. Best regards, Aaron Henley. Uh, I think there are several bad guys who are, do fit that bill. Why can't we be a bad but, guy? Why but can't I think we uh, having them have guy? a more complicated background, you know, lends texture to the story, and it makes it more interesting. It's, a, it's a, I'm just thinking of Steve Martin in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Next time you tell a story, have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. <laughs> but I, I think having, you know, having a backstory where you understand their motivations does make it more interesting. And you do occasionally want to have, you know, the the old cliche now from The Dark Knight that some people set the town on fire because they just want to see it burn, but other people are more complicated. Uh, you know, I always kind of like the premise that in the villain's mind. If you wrote their story, they're the hero. You know, that they think that they're the hero, at least. And and I think, you know, in cases like Magneto, that would be true. In Doctor Doom, I think that's true. There's, there's a lot of characters like that. In, in fact, in the Red Skull's mind, he probably thinks he's the hero because he's ridding the earth of, you know, the, the vermin, as he would consider it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I kind of like that they think they're righteous very often, even when they're totally misguided and their methods are unreasonable but i i think it lends depth to the story now that said there does also need to be just the occasional psychopath who's out there just because they want to kill people like bullseye yeah yeah he's a bad guy for the sake of being bad guy this there's nothing sympathetic to bullseye as far as i know i mean if you can kill somebody with a paperclip you're a douche there you go (laughs) where's the live by so, well, if I could kill somebody with a paper clip, I, nobody would be alive in the office. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, well, I guess uh, I guess we'll wrap it up there. We've we've still got email left, but we've got there. Yeah, next time around we'll hit some more. In the meanwhile, happy New Year, everybody, and uh, let's hope for a, a happy and healthy 2017. Yes, yes, this one is kind of ended on a bummer. So let's hope for a happy, a better year to come. Here we come, walking down the street, get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, it's 2017. And Chewbacca ends the show. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email 
at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I don't care about a bear as myself. I do that all the time. <laughs>